What's happening, weirdos? This is interesting. This is Matt Berninger from uh, The National, my favorite band, my friend, uh, my now favorite solo artist, who has a new record out on October 2nd called Serpentine Prison, which, uh, so we did a talk about a month ago, and we're going to release that as well, but then I hadn't listened to the record, and since then, I've listened to the record dozens of times. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. So I texted him. I said, would you like to do uh, just a little amendment, like a little add-on to the chat that we did just to talk specifically about the record Serpentine Prison? And then we ended up talking for 90 minutes. And then I was like, well, let's just release this as uh, Matt Berninger Returns Part 1. And then in maybe a month or so, we'll put out Matt Berninger Returns Part 2, which has some of the more traditional parts of a regular You Made It Weird episode. Uh, it's brought to us by our friends at Charlotte's Web. Get some calm gummies with everything that's going on in the world. We could all use some calm CBD gummies. Go to charlottesweb.com slash weird and use promo code uh, keepitcrispy19. Uh, and there's no traditional ad, but we're doing, uh, meaning there's no Pete's Picks to mention for this episode, but we're doing something new. As you guys know, I'm a big fan of Living Libations, and in working with them for the past couple months, I've gotten to know more and more about their founder, uh, who's a beauty philosopher, a very, very interesting person named Nadine Artemis. So the more I learned about Nadine, the more I wanted to talk with her, and I had a feeling that if we talked, we should record it, and we did. And uh, that's what we're going to release now as like a bonus mini episode here at the top. It's not a full episode. Like I said, it's just maybe 25 minutes. But I wanted to record it and I wanted to release it, especially since this episode is a little bit shorter than our usual. So here's a bonus, my chat with Nadine. And then after this is done, uh, we'll get into Matt and we'll actually play a track from Serpentine Prison. But in the meantime, here's a little talk about health, beauty, self-love, self-care, with my friend Nadine Artemis. Get into it. Well, so nice to meet you. Yeah, it's so nice to meet you too. I love your podcast. Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) And I'm so glad that you came on board because like I I explained to Angela, I was like, I really just want to do ads for things that I believe in and that I use. Yeah, it was one, I, I think for some reason, the first one I heard was you and you just had a baby, your, your baby, pretty, yeah. like, and then your wife popped in. Yeah. It was just this, I can't even remember who I was listening, like who you were actually interviewing. And I just felt like they need to know about like patients. Like, I think they would like it. And I just felt like, like kind of an unusual match, but that's what I like doing too. Like, yeah. cause I don't just want to be connected with like a health or a beauty website. Cause that's right. so normal, you know? No, I think that's, I, I mean, I'm not a business person, but there has to be a term for that. It's like too predictable yeah. and yeah. the market is going to be flooded with other people. But like you come in sort of through the back and go like, well, it's a comedy podcast, but it's, it also has a self-improvement bent. Yeah. Uh, and I did see that you do bring in experts from time to time that are totally yeah. like, like good experts in my world. And then really these days, what's left besides like beauty and humor? I know. Really? That's you know? A- that's a great place to start. I mean, like, can you speak a little bit to that? Like in the pandemic, I find that like self-care is especially starting my day or ending my day, which is what I do with something loving. It's so yeah. tempting to not brush your teeth. It's so tempting to stop 
you know, changing your clothes, if we're being honest, like it's so, but like when we do, when we, it, it, it's Val and I were just talking about it. It's like, this is why in the army or uh, people in recovery make their bed. It's because they want to start with some sort of win. Like you're starting mm-hmm. the day with a win. And I was wondering if you could speak to that, like in sure. pandemic, what, what is the value of beauty and, and self-care for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Partly through this time, I feel like, you know, I, this is my lifestyle to kind of live quarantine. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, like, and I saw the coming plague in the 90s when I was reading about antibiotic resistance and stuff. So that's why, too, I was like, I must find like pure land and water. So to take us to 15 years ago, we finally accomplished that. Um, Where are you? We're in, uh, we're about three hours north of Toronto on 200 acres with a spring-fed lake. The lakes, the lake itself is about 28 acres. It's fresh fish, and we've got trees and beautiful rocks all around us. And so we're here on our on our land, and I've literally, in other years, I kind of will set goals for myself. So once we've come back from a trip or something, and then I'm, it's like spring, and I'm like, okay, Ron, I'm going to try and not leave the house for like another six months. So this would be like my choir goals. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I have everything here and we've rebuilt. We had a fire in 2013 where we lost everything except of course where we are in the land. So that was really neat too, because our true home, which is this land was still here, which wow. is like, I think if your house goes and you're not on a, like a little city block or something, I mean, when it goes, it goes, yeah. but we were able to be here and then we had to rebuild our headquarters which um, we just got now on another part of our acreage, like over in another corner. So if I walk through the woods about 15 minutes, I'm at our beautiful Living Libations headquarters. So I really don't have to leave. And, you know, I love being in nature. So, so, and I love focusing. That's the thing. Like I don't want to waste time doing errands and that kind of stuff. And I just love getting in my zone, being with my family or being with nature. So I've really got everything I need here. Wow. I am blown away. That is so cool. I, I don't know how to communicate this to you, but like, <laughs> that just like lit me up inside. Oh, beautiful. Like not, not, I'm not just putting on like a host persona and saying that's so cool. I'm like, <laughs> if Val were here, she, we're, we're on a farm right now that has a, oh, uh, great. I don't, I can't, it's not spring water. I don't know. I, I'm not exactly. Well water. Maybe. It's well water. That's yeah. great. That's, that's a good, that's well, pretty much. Yeah. Cause it was one of the, yeah, it was a selling point. I, I'm yeah. a water, Val will tease me that I'm a water snob. And one of my, I'm also a goal setter. And something that I wrote down a long time ago was I really wanted to live on a property that was spring fed. So like you're talking to somebody, Beautiful. just like, Beautiful. yeah, I love this. And you're talking to somebody who sort of has to keep to himself mm. because our, how much I am doing okay with a simple life of, of yeah. quarantine. Yeah. There's there's a privilege I have to check there too because our our daughter is two yeah. so it's like she doesn't have to go to school. Um, yeah. We don't have. Well, to I think worry. yeah. I mean, obviously, everything I'm coming from is total privilege. Of course, and, and I saw it early on too, though. So I with my with what I had, I carved that out. And Ron and I, when we lived in the city, I mean, we just worked basically, you know, twenty hours a day to get yeah. out of there and get to the new stage. And it's wow. so funny because the day we just like, we actually are, we did homeschool our child, mm. but the day that we were, he was, he, we found this great school and that was March 25th, the day that all like everybody started oh homeschooling. So that was crazy. 
So you just went back. You were like, uh, never well, mind. Well, luckily we had then we had a whole Zoom. We did. We, we, oh, we you were did? with a school, but then that was crazy, right? Like all of a sudden eight classes, Zoom links, because the, the school was doing it really deeply. And I was like, oh, my God, Ron and I had to get a degree practically to get them online on time. <laughs> wow. That is so funny. But uh, uh, we had the similar experience where Leela got into a pretty difficult like we pulled like we did our best interview and all these things to get into this preschool and then yeah and then all of this happened and we were like but now I mean there is a quality to it like I like being with her and she's so young I'm sort of like I wouldn't have wanted to miss any of this that that is obviously the silver lining yeah that is really special and I do feel in this time like if people are you know doing okay and they still have their job and they are quarantining and feeling okay. I mean, what a special time There's a fly flying around, that people can <laughs> spend time with their families yeah. because I, that's what we got to do for, you know, for the, till we was 13 spending our days together because we constructed our work that way. And I just feel it's so special for all wow. these parents to be at home and the kids to be at home and at least have this moment. Well, we're figuring out what's essential. I think the, the world will never yeah. be the same in a lot of ways, but I think one of them is that we're seeing like, Oh, I've said this a million, but I'd love to hear what it makes you think of. It's like, why was I driving 90 minutes to go to a meeting when you could bang it out? You could bang it out over the internet, which we've always had, uh, in the time it would have taken me to find my keys. Like, and and I'm the sort of person, if I have a 30 minute meeting slotted, we'll get it done in 10 minutes just because it's like, hi, what is it? And and we'll get out of here. And then there's so much more time. And that brings me to, to the question, what what rituals oh, yeah. are, are you finding even more? No, it's fine. It's my job, not yours. Uh, finding value and the self-care and, and, and the self-love, really. Well, one thing that I love to talk about is, because beauty isn't something we're just going to apply to ourselves. It's not another bottle. It's not another item. Mm-hmm. It's about engaging and meeting life, but and really meeting the elements, because that's what's actually going to re- replenish our being. Mm-hmm. So sunlight is so key. And I think one of the best self-care things and it's free. I was, that's, <laughs> yeah. I can stop you. Nadine. Yeah. That's so funny. Cause I know so many Hollywood, I don't know a lot, but I know <laughs> some Hollywood females. It's, it's always women yeah. that, that one of their touchstones is staying out of the sun. Well, yeah. And that's more than Hollywood. That's from the past 60 years of, uh, dermatologic sort of indoctrination. There was too many big words in there. Dermatological indoctrination. Yeah, we can't. I can't. Get out of here. It's too early. Um, (laughs) But there's a lot of of Yeah, we've been lobbied into this loss of sunlight. And for sure, overexposure can cause some skin damage. But our skin was actually designed to be exposed to the sun, we have thousands of vitamin D receptors all over our body that need to be brimming with vitamin D. Otherwise, our immune system is compromised. Hmm. And there, there are tests out now that do show with the, you know, why we're all quarantining because of this virus, that vitamin D deficiency, sorry, sufficiency is key to prevention. Or if you do happen to catch it, it, it's much less of a toll on the body. I saw some of that, yeah. Yeah, and that's like a very good study. And what we also know from the past, like other 20 years of studying, is that there's over, you know, over 2,500 studies that show that vitamin D sufficiency does uh, slash our risk of a whole bunch of other diseases. Hmm. 
by a lot, like breast cancer, 50% if you're vitamin D sufficient. Mm. And so people may ask if they can just take vitamin D and like, you know, stay out of the sunlight. And for sure that's important. And we do need that vitamin D, but it's actually a different type. It's a fat soluble vitamin D and our skin and the sun together create a water soluble vitamin D that purifies the blood that creates a very useful uh, cholesterol sulfate that we need. And it kind of like, we think of the sun as drawing, but it actually lubricates our insides and creates antimicrobial peptides, which are, which are essential. It, it prevents the bacterial lignans from filling in the vitamin D receptors if it's not, because then there's a space if there's no vitamin D. Oh, interesting. It's great for acne, eczema, all kinds of skin conditions. And it doesn't cause the wrinkles and the age spots and the cancer that we think. And in my book, Renegade Beauty, I, I have a whole chapter dedicated to the sun. And I go through you know different studies from the New England Journal of Medicine that show how sunblock is actually causing a lot of the issues hyper and the hyperpigmentation. And so are those very commercial rancid polyunsaturated fatty acids like your mazola, your canola. Those are the, the biggest culprit of, of when we get like, you know, miscolored skin. It's called melasma or hyperpigmentation. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, so which, which is why, you know, women in Hollywood and all over the world are thinking they don't want the sun because we think it creates that, but, it's uh, we've been a little misguided. And so oh, wow. for sure, the sun is one of the best rituals that you can do. And I, there's I you know, an, there's an intuition yeah. to that, isn't there? I mean, yeah. I find myself drawn to being outdoors as much as I can, especially, I know we're talking about staying at home, but yes. at home outdoors feels good and right. And like, I'm getting a lot out of that. I, I, yeah. That's just my intuition. And what if you're you, even in a permit building, you could slide open your windows and you could get a patch of sun, just like, you know, clear the yeah. dining room table, lie on there yeah. and just, just have that moment of reality. It's, it's yeah. good. What about my daughter? That's interesting because she's naked most of the time, which actually right. is how she got potty trained, which is awesome. Yeah. Same with our son. It's is that the right? fastest way. Oh, as soon as yeah. she put it together, like, cause it was a mystery. There was something yeah. happening behind a diaper that she didn't understand. <laughs> But as soon as she was naked and she saw what was happening, talk about intuition. She was like, oh, I don't like, uh, or it wasn't, it was like, I, I get what's happening. Yeah. There wasn't like a shame to it. It's like, no. I get what's happening. I see what the potty is for. And now she's completely potty trained and she just turned two, which people tell me is early. Now she wears sunblock because we're going out. And I'm and like that's what we feel like we're supposed to do. Are you saying that's not necessary? Not necessarily. Yeah, it depends on the t- how much exposure. I also find kids yeah. run around. So they're not like like me. That's just like well, you know, Baking. waiting to get baked. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, maybe it's the nose or under the eyes. And in those situations, you want to just use a zinc block because zinc um, deflects the rays, so they're mm. not being absorbed. The issue with sunblock proper is um, you know when it's got an SPF rating, which mm-hmm. can is a, is a de- designation only for synthetic ingredients. So um, it splits the rays. So you, we're supposed to be receiving UVA and UVB, and UVB creates the vitamin D. When we apply sunscreen, we're just receiving UVA. We're blocking the ultraviolet partner of the UVB, so we're not getting any D, and it's the UVA on its own that can also be sun-damaging. So besides all the toxins in sunscreen, we're not getting vitamin D and we're literally just getting this isolated ray that can be damaging. It's the same in like when you get sun through a window, let's say you're driving down, you know, um, 
some LA freeway and you, mm-hmm. you've got that, tra- you're always, it's the same pattern. So every day at four, you've got the sun hitting this arm, mm-hmm. that arm will have more freckles in later, like after, you know, than this arm. And that's because it's just getting UVA. But I'm going to look into yes. a zinc sunblock. Oh God, I, 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 I <laughs> well, we have one with living libations. So oh, do you? Well, yeah, perfect. I, I spent my twenties out in the de- like summer, some summer trips in the desert, exploring with the plants and the pigmentations about like how, what oils would help me tan, what yeah. would help prevent burns. So we've got this beautiful sun oil called everybody loves the sunshine. And then we took that and made another version where we added um, zinc and we made a beach bomb. So we've got everybody loves the sunshine with zinc. And then we've got this beautiful tanning oil that will, I call it a sun harmonizer because we can't, it's not an SPF because it doesn't have chemicals. Right. And it like, cause the plants have natural pigments that are protective and it can extend your time in the sun, depending on who you are and where, what the climate is and what your, your heritage is, you know, it can be an extra 10 to, minutes to an, another hour in the sun where you're getting that golden tan. Wow. Very, yeah. very interesting. So this brings me to the other thing I really wanted to talk yeah. to you about. Uh, wow, you're very interesting. <laughs> um, what is going on? I say this in, in the little spots. Yeah. What is going on with skincare? I, I tell the story that as soon as I sort of started being on TV, it, it's so silly that that's the first time. Maybe it's not silly, but I was like, oh, I'm going to be on TV. I should start like... Thinking about your skin. Thinking about your skin, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's like a typical, maybe a Boston male thing. I, I my yeah. dad didn't use anything and now I'm in Hollywood. And so I just went to the mall and I went to like a fancy French shop cause it was fancy and French. And I bought the, you know, the men's section is this tiny section and I bought the one skin thing and talk about an intuition. Uh, the sun feels good. It feels good to breathe clean air. It feels good to hike. It feels good to get uh, warm, all these things. Uh, the smell of this stuff, I mean, you know, you know on some level. You take some sort of weird uh, foil thing off of it and you're smelling, it smells like Chernobyl. You know what I mean? It just has, <laughs> it has like a chemical bad, like a deer wouldn't go near it. You know what I mean? Put that out and see if a deer is going to smell it. it. It has nothing natural feeling about it. Whereas, and this isn't a commercial, it's just a conversation, but like the stuff that you make, I, I feel like I could drink it in a pinch. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you could. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what it, what what it, what happened, and what are you trying to remedy with? That's a good point. Yeah, I'm not totally you know totally sure what happened, except I do like at the turn of the 19th century. Definitely, we discovered how to synthesize and isolate and 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 you know refractionate parts of plants and then repeat them synthetically. So that obviously created a whole thing. And that's interesting too, because that was, you know, for thousands of years before that, all cosmetics, quote unquote, all skin things that were going on the body were plant medicine, right? And perfume and even spirit was seen as one. And often in different cultures, like the, the, the medicine men were the spirit men or women or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like whoever was in charge of like the spirit or like the priest sort of thing was also in charge of the perfumery. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. It's a bit cross-cultural and it's not going to be every culture, but for sure in like some ancient shamanic cultures, Ayurvedic cultures, Egypt, Mm. there was that connection. And of course everything was like, you know, pressed plants and peels and, and 
press petals for perfumes and tinctured trees and what's this sap going to do and we'll put this sap on that wound and all that kind of stuff. And perfume was also just seen as a way to call in the spirit Hmm. and it wasn't this synthetic stuff. So then, you know, we got very crafty as humans. I think of like we have as humans this Frankenstein experiment right it's on the micro level and it's on a, on a big level we, it mm. could be a big invention or something small we make where we think we've figured it out and we can reinvent nature but every time we we synthesize nature there's going to be side effects you know and mm. so we're going to have that in the body and so somehow it was like through the 40s and 50s we just felt you know to be beautiful was to be clean and somehow you know, our pores wanted petroleum because then, like, it seems like all cosmetics are about 50 different derivatives of petroleum, right? which we know we don't need at all. And now besides the toxicity that, you know, like this affects the liver or parabens are found in diseased breast tissue and that could go on and on and on. But now that we know about the microbiome and we know that we're more than cells, that we're actually these hosts for a bacterial banquet, Mm. We need to care for that microbiome too. And pretty much everything that we've been applying to our skin is mutating the microbe. And then we're getting in this vicious cycle of like dry, patchy skin. We don't know what's going on. But now we do because when we study the microbiome and different scientists and research are seeing that what we've been applying isn't leaving our bodies. And the idea of like needing clean skin is leaving these um, micro um, surfactants in our sp- in our skin in the top layer of our stratum corneum, like little splinters every time we wash our face with like a sodium lauryl sulfate or what we think is like a mild foaming cleanser. And then we're taking away, and this part's a bit gross, but we're taking away the food supply for the bacteria of the microbiome. They need some dead skin cells a little bit. You know, we right. can't be over exfoliating. They need that sebum. They want to clean up the sebum in your pores. Right. So it's like we have to kind of step back and get out of the way. It's and, very. You know? you're, it's like you're hosting a party. I, I actually yeah. don't think it's that gross. Somebody just told <laughs> this is a little bit gross. I guess there are bugs that live in our hair and and they want to eat ah, uh, yeah. dead skin cells and stuff. And when yeah. we get them away, so you know it is talk about micro as above so below. It's like yeah. the body being seen as one thing, seen as a as a relationship of systems. Yeah. Uh, is is not sort of a normal conversation, but it's becoming because of more awareness of the microbiome. People are understanding that more. So like, it's interesting that in the fifties, we're like nuking our floors yeah. with all sorts of stuff yeah. to keep them shiny. And then the same sort of logic. And then of course that bled into the food, better living through chemistry. If yes. we want a B vitamin that you might get from, I don't know, bee pollen or honey, um, why don't we isolate that and inject it into Wonder Bread? I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I salute the, the human spirit for its, like, yep. attempts, just yep. as I salute Dr. Frankenstein. But eventually these <laughs> products are going to, you know, put on a sport coat and, and maul some village people and be like, <laughs> friend, I understand. It always, I, I really do, just like I get excited about your spring-fed leg, I get excited about, <laughs> remedying any sort of lie and and going back to something a little bit more simple Mm -hmm. and a little bit more normal. I mean, looking at the, at the scope of humanity, what we're doing isn't really normal. It's, it's relatively new 
given the human animal. Yeah, and really this one, past 100 years has been mm. a total trip on so many levels. And wow, like, you know, what's happened the past 100 years as opposed to what happened before that? Yeah. You know, let alone like, you know, what's uploaded to YouTube every day. Like every day, I don't know, I can't remember the exact, it's like more than any other information before it, yeah. you know, and every well, day new records. There's something going on with that too. You talk about in your bio on the website, you talk about being a child drawn to nature and, and with Lila, we're seeing like, there's all these opportunities to give our brains exactly what it wants. But like, I'm as an artist, I'm interested in this. And as, as a human being, I'm interested in like, what do we need that we don't know we want or, or that we don't know we need like quiet, like nature, mm-hmm. like solitude, like, instead of just constantly filling in with stimuli like YouTube videos, which I, I can be, be guilty of too, sure? just constantly like rats in a cage, just constantly hitting the reward button. The, and we have plenty of studies yeah. to show that that's what we'll do until we die. And I see that when I see uh, aspects of the internet, I, I, I definitely see that in social media and, and I see that in food and I see that in what, in what you're working with. And I, I love just going like, hey, there's intuition here, there's history here, and there's natural things here. So I think it's really cool what you're doing. I know we're only doing a short chat. We've already gone way longer than we thought, <laughs> which, which is fine. I'm, I'm enjoying this so much, but I don't want to take too much of your time. If there was one tip you might want to give to the listeners, because I'm sure people are interested by this point. One, I, I know you're big into teeth and gums, so I thought maybe we mm-hmm. could do a teeth and gum tip and then maybe one skin tip, and then maybe one water tip. Water oh, tip. I love that. And, okay, and, then yes. we'll, and then we'll let you go back to your 200 <laughs> acres. My goodness. I love it. I'm thinking like we'll start with skin because I was just telling people about the horrors of surfactants on their skin. Sure. And, and also we're talking about caring for oneself in quarantine. And I feel like telling everybody one of the best ways to take care of your skin this is men women babies whatever is to stop washing your face with soap and using oil which may sound crazy and totally counterintuitive especially Mm. if you've experienced cystic acne for two decades however it really does evolve things and skin tone really starts to even out and really anything that's going on with our skin that's an imbalance, it, it's not really a skin type issue. That's a bit of marketing hype from the 60s that's stuck. Really anything that's going on is a microbial imbalance. So you want to bring it back. So whether it's a blemish or a breakout or like a fungal rash or even dandruff, it's, those are all microbiome imbalances. So um, you want to ditch the soap and wash it with oil. And you don't really need soap anywhere on your body except for the pits and bits. So just stick to that, you know? We say the pits, tits, and shits, but yes, the pits and bits. And that can just be, you know, we make a clay soap, but it's just like a natural bar soap. So you keep that. So then the skin on the rest of your body is just, the microbiome is going to be happy with it, soaping it. And then on the face, you just uh, wash with, you know, splash with water, then put a little spot of water on on a cloth. And then squirt on, we make the beautiful best skin evers, but if you just switch to a real olive oil or a jojoba for the rest of your life, mm. you are better than using any of those, you know, $5 to $1,000 creams. Yeah. What about, say is, is coconut oil enough? Yeah, or coconut oil, that is a good thing. It is a bit thick, so, because yeah. it's solid at room temperature, but you could mix that even with the olive oil or the jojoba, yeah. but yeah, it's beautiful. And this is for men or women. Yeah. And the best skin evers really 
come to balance uh, the skin. Men can use it as an aftershave. You know, you can bring it to your massage therapist. You just, it's yeah. all over. The idea with that was like one bottle does it all. We used it to, to change leaf diapers when he had them. We used it to clean them. And so mm. it's very, very practical. So that's like a really good skin thing that will revolutionize. And, and if you have had acne, you'll find it clearing up. That's, that's where I started just for people listening. It's yeah. like, it's pretty simple. I like to look for like a raw or uh, unrefined or uncooked uh, coconut oil, which yes. you can find in stores now, which is pretty cool. And then I just started using that as an aftershave or as a before bed skin treatment. So it's like, it doesn't have to be fancy to start taking a small step towards Yeah, and that way you're caring for the lipid barrier and you're not stripping it with these harsh surfactants and then trying to replenish it with some petroleum moisturizer and then putting on some chemical for the acne where, yeah. you know, everything's going, whoa. And so yeah. that can just uh, end. It's calm. You can't, I, I don't even want to tell you what I was doing when I was 12, 13. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, like, I, I was too. It. I was in yeah. it all, but I feel like, you know, that's, I was mixing everything. It was like the youngest in the family. I got everybody's hand-me-downs. Yeah. I was mixing perfumes, taking toxins under the, yeah, I was mixing oh, it all. I couldn't, you know? I, <laughs> I, I, I was the only boy I knew that had cotton balls because I used astringent <laughs> and then I used noxema. I don't even know where it got in, in my head, but because sisters? it was more, no, it was marketed no? towards women, but I oh, just, yeah. I liked girls. I hung out with girls a lot. And I was like, what are you guys doing? And they were all doing this and it just sounded fun. I, I know that's kind of strange, but it did. That's so fun. <laughs> so anyway, yes. Okay. So that's a great tip for the skin. What about we have teeth and, and water? Yeah. So for the, for teeth, it's, it's, it's another similar situation. I do have in my book, I talk about stop, seal, and seed. So we want to stop the things that are, which is kind of everything in that drugstore oil aisle, like the alcoholic mouthwashes, those you can look up Google statistic, 36,000 cases of oral cancer a year. Wow. It's messing with the microbiome. So just, you want to ditch that. Um, we have eight steps you can follow, but the simplest advice I can give is ditch all that. And if you just have baking soda in your house and you just use baking soda for the rest of your life, you would be way better off than using what's in the, in the commercial toothpaste ingredients. Now, oh, wow. of course, you, yeah, you know, you go a lot farther and we make beautiful toothpaste and dental serums and we have floss, you know, natural silk floss infused with charcoal and frankincense. You can go hard, but I love just giving tips that people can use right away yeah. and you don't have to buy anything from me, but like no, that's literally great. baking soda, it's alkalinizing. Your body actually produces a form of it that declines. It alkalinizes the mouth, which is so key um, for the saliva to do its job. It needs an alkaline environment. So that's a good part. It's very good at scrubbing. It's, it's actually gentle enough to use every day. Huh. So it's cool. So you just brush with baking soda. Yeah. Wow. Like it'd be very simple. I mean, I'd love to add other things to yeah, that, I understand. but literally that is life changing and a great quarantine activity. Yeah, and why not? Our eight steps, which could take your two minute toothbrushing to about four minutes, um, is a great program to start because especially since we can't get to a dentist right now or they're backed up, we really recommend these eight steps. It turns things around in your mouth, it prepares you for a dental appointment. And generally people find that their dental appointment is cleaner and less expensive. 
offensive well, when they've done these eight steps for about three months beforehand. Val is going to laugh at me. <laughs> it's going to be fine. I'm going to be in there with the arm and hammer. I bet I will. And, and what about water? I think we... And yeah, yeah, water. Water is so key. Um, and I, I often recommend, like, if you can't get... Like, so when I'm traveling... I have a bottle of spring water on the, on the sink counter, bathroom sink, and I'll, I'll use that to wash my face and brush my teeth. Mm. And then we also bring a filter that you can just get on Amazon, like just the 20-ish dollar ones. Mm-hmm. We'll do a pretty good job at filtering out the chlorine and stuff. So that's like just, I think that's the most simple thing for people to do right now because it's hard if you're on in the city or you're renting a home. Obviously, there's whole home things you can do, but right away, just get one of those filters because the chlorine's very damaging to mm. the microbiome and the scalp and, you know, it can create dandruff and stuff. And so what I used to do back when we lived in the city and we're renting is we put our shower filter on and then we would wash the kale, you know, in the shower, <laughs> or I would fill up the tub via the shower. It would get a bit steamy, but that's how we would do it. So I'd say, you know, water is important. Tap water is crazy. What's in tap water as mm. in like, the pharmaceuticals and the waste products that don't get filtered out. You know, when they test water across the states and big cities, there's generally about 200 contaminants. Wow. And, and tiny microscopic shrimp, which when I lived in New York city, it was like every year there would just be one small story about the tiny microscopic (gasps) shrimp. Uh, I know tiny and microscopic is redundant, but it was like, Oh, it was like transparent (laughs) shrimp. I was like, Oh God, help us. Um, So, Yes. Okay. This was so cool. Thank you so much for taking the time. Like, like I said up top, I'm just so glad that we, that we're working together and that we could have this chat. Would you, this, I know this is just yeah. a mini episode, but we have the yeah. guests say, keep it crispy at the end. Would you say, keep it crispy? Sure. So yeah, I, yeah just say it. Yeah. You just say it. Keep it crispy. There it is. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank I you. hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Okay. Bye. Okay. Nadine Artemis. We were supposed to talk for 10 minutes. <laughs> we scheduled it for 10 minutes, but we got on a roll. And obviously, she's uh, my kind of person. We had so much to cover. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Livinglibations.com slash weird for 20% off anything that you might find there and show your support of this show. Now, on to, as I said, this is part one, but really it's part two of my talk with Matt Berninger to promote Serpentine Prison out October 2nd. We're going to listen to one track, which is the title track, Serpentine Prison. And then after this plays, we will roll right into the second chat we had with my friend Matt. I really hope you guys enjoy. And again, get into it. See the starlight through the clouds Why won't anybody listen to me Don't make me say it again out loud Big star doing don't worry baby Bipolar pride swimming the tide Keep your dead head above and your chin up You're gonna have a pretty hard time Without drugs, without love Total submission, I've seen a vision Everyone's screaming, I've been daydreaming Sorry I'm fishing, without permission 
Include this. This is the rawness that people need. Rawness. Keep yeah. the rawness in. I got rawness. Look at your hair. You're looking. I like your look. I know. It's it's. People keep calling it a mullet, but this is the real deal. It's party in the front and party in the back. Do you ever have a? You ever have long hair when you were like growing up in the, uh, in the I, days? I back in the days, I did. <laughs> this is the longest it's been. But yeah. in high school. 
this actually sort of ties into the record because I was going to ask you if you ever listened to Rancid, which is a kind of a strange yeah. question. Did you? I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like I had all the Rancid, but Out Come the Wolves is a big record. Uh, Let's Go. Yeah. Is Let's yeah. Go their first record? Yeah. I actually have Let's Go on a cassette. That'd really? Yeah. Let's Go is not their first record. Let's Go is their second record because they right. have a first which is called Rancid. It's just self-titled. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, so mate, did you hear that? Because that one's much harder is the reason I mentioned it. Um, I know that one, but I, I feel like Let's Go is where I, I got into them. And then Out Come the Wolves is when I was really, that's when they were like big. I think I had a roommate. I was, uh, I lived in Boston on an internship um, and I had a roommate and she was obsessed with Rancid. And we, we went to see Rancid in Boston. I don't know, I can't, some, some club. I can't remember. In Boston? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I might have been at that show. I used to see them all the time. Who was it? It was like, um, I feel the, like it was... It wasn't the Middle East. They were too big. No, it was bigger. There was a bigger place. I, part of me thinks it was like outside. And, 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 and it, it, they did an outside show, I saw. Oh, wow. I saw an indoor show and an outside show of Rancid. But were you, were you a big Rancid guy? I was. And when I texted you... So this is the add-on <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to our conversation. And when I texted you specifically the title track, Serpentine Prison, I could hear it sounded like a punk record to me. But really what I mean is it sounds like this. what I love about Rancid. Like you could speed that up yeah, or you could do it as like a gritty, like <laughs> if you ever... They that's had a compliment. A, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what I mean. I was like, I was trying to give that compliment. I was trying to say there's like an energy that's that's greater than the than the tempo or the or the the volume of the record is is sort of more laid back, but it has this like drive to it that I it's really a, yeah. It's funny. It's it's the it's it's uh it, there, it's it, it is kind of an intense record, but like with real, uh, subtly me, more in a very mellow delivery of a kind of uh, that's right stuff. Yeah, that's it was, exactly. it was it was not not necessarily in t- the intention, but I mean because when I write, when I'm writing, I'm just I write what I write about, and then um, and a lot of times it's informed by the music I'm writing to, but it's kind of weird. It's like you could this record, the music on this record is is a very different sort of. Um, everyone I was writing with, you know, all different sort of musicians with different sort of DNA. And so, and so I just bring my own DNA to it. And you could almost, I, I feel like you could almost put any of these lyrics or on a, a national record or on an Elvi record and they, it wouldn't feel, so was, it wouldn't feel different. I don't feel like I write differently. Really. I don't write about different things, you know, that's depending on the music. Um, I always write it just about what I'm writing about. Huh. And this was really interesting because the music was such a different sort of swimming pool. Um, and so, so many planes going over, but um, there, there's, but, but it, that, that's for me listening to it now. I'm like, Oh, it's such a, it's such a different feeling record yet. I'm still writing out the same things. And, and, and it's just interesting how, how you can kind of, you know, you can wear different with wear different clothes, and it really changes your feeling, and it changes your performance, and changes other things. But you're still you inside yeah. those clothes, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I learned both things making this record. Is that like, wow, you can kind of you can go any direction musically, but it's kind of hard to go any direction. I mean, any. I don't. I can't just write a like pick something to write a song about and then write a song about it. I can't. Right. You know, it, right. it's. 
in in and if a song's always about one thing, I get I get bored with that song after two verses, you know, whatever <laughs> that is about. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. I don't think like things that are too simple. Um they just there's nowhere to go with it, you know. And that's interesting. I I'm trying to figure out why I disagree with the idea that this record sounds like this record, but we're so susceptible to suggestion. You're talking about Let's Go, right? Which was a red CD. I know you had it on tape, but the color of the CD used to color and Out Come the Wolves is a, is a black CD. So, and that used to feel like a black album. I don't mean a dark album. I mean, it used to feel the color of the record. So clearly I am at the mercy of all these factors. So when you call this Matt Berninger, you know, it's not the national, it's not Elvi. I go in with a different color. Yeah. That being said, I feel like the lyrics, I, the other thing I wanted to get up, up top is that it's my favorite thing. I think you've done the serpentine prison. Thanks. And, and to, to, to kind of interview is my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) I never know. This is my favorite one so far. (laughs) I never know if my compliments, I always give them to you because I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I like. I, I never know if it matters to you because I'll, I'll just be like, I don't want to bother you too much and text you too much, but I'll just be like, this is my, it is my favorite thing that you've done. And then like the lyrics to something like my eyes are t-shirts, which is one of my favorite tracks. Right. I'm like, Oh, he's writing already one of my favorite. I'm going to call it a love song. Cause that's what it feels like to me. And it feels a little bit balder, a little bit more exposed than when you're singing about love or relationships, it seems, on the national. Do you know what I mean? Like, Nobody Else Will Be There is one of my favorite songs of all time, but that feels Uh like a national song. My Eyes Are T-Shirts is like, you know, you have the line, I hear your voice and my heart falls together. That's so like, I'm like, oh, Matt's doing something new. This is like a, that's like a very romantic sentiment. That's true. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's funny. I like, I, like I, I <clears throat> going into this thing, like I went into this thing tr- with the idea to make some covers. Um, and I did, even when I was you know, with the idea of it all being a covers record with Booker T Jones, I, I did at the beginning think I'll probably slip in at one or two originals. Um, but then when I gave him those, those originals, he's like, what, you know, do you have more of these things? And so I mm. did have a, a lot of just sort of half, half baked little, orphan songs that I was writing with a lot of different people. Um, and when I had been kind of writing those, I wasn't, I, I, like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not, tr- I'm not right. Like I, I don't, when I'm writing, I'm not saying, Oh, here, let, let, this is for the national. So let's go this way. Or this is for Elvira. This is for Cyrano de Bergerac musical or whatever it is. I, I um, sometimes, you know, that you're trying to craft something that needs to fit in a spot in a narrative for a play. But even then, the, the lines, the words, the the the, the ideas um, are are all are still about me and about my stuff, or, or just or, or or those around me. And um, and so when I say me, it's 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 about things that I know are really affecting either me or those closest to me. Like there's a song, Oh Dearie, which is very is about depression, is about debilitating per- paralysis, you know, of depression. And I don't have that kind of depression. I have you know low grade you know, 
Walmart. Average, <laughs> I would say average, average, yeah, average. You know, average cis white male from Ohio depression, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Off the shelf. Yeah, off the shelf. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but I know so many people that have much more debilitating depression, but I wrote a song about it um, because it affects me really personally too, you know? And, and I know, and I guess I just, I, I know the feeling of, of that kind of paralysis, but for me, it, you know, it, it lasts a day, you know, sometimes that, and, and I know people that last years, you know, mm-hmm. and it's hard to see on the other side of it. So when I say per, I'm writing really personally, it's not always autobiographically, but it's always really emotionally, personally. And then specifically to your point, like, was I trying, I, I know I was trying to, to write better, um, Mm-hmm. Than ever, I'm always trying to improve my writing and I, and 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 improve my uh, just go further into what I'm doing. And so, like, had I, I feel like I'm like the, the next national record. I don't know if I'm going to be going back to anything, you know, when I go to that. But and so so then there's the question: is like, how much does the music inform what I'm writing? how much does the music inform the perception of the song? How much does the album cover, you know, affect right. the, 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 the feeling of the record. And so all that being said, yeah, with, 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 once this started really becoming like a group of, of a short record of like 10 originals. Um, and, and again, I was always, the record Stardust by Willie Nelson is sort of the record I was kept, kept going back to in terms of its sonic vibe and in that, Willie Nelson is like right up front. Like his voice is right up. up. You feel like he's like singing in your ear. He's sitting right next yeah, to you. And yeah. I wanted all that feeling. So I don't know if maybe the feeling of these sketches or in the studio, the feeling, some of the things were like a lot of the lyrics were adjusted and written in the studio. A lot of them were written beforehand. But maybe that intimate feeling of the sonic you know, swimming pool I was in, the water I was, I was working with and the songs that I was choosing, maybe I was choosing water that would allow me to be more exposed, you know, yeah. make me feel more comfortable. And in fact, Booker T was, is very much, he's such, he's so obsessed with words and lyrics and melodies. And he almost, it almost feels like he was spending more time with me talking about that stuff than even like, you know, produce arranging, but because he was being a, being in a band with, with, in working without vocalists, you know, for his main band for his whole life, he, he was always the sort of the vocalist on the organ and, and Stax wouldn't let him write songs. He wanted to, but they wouldn't let him. It's like, (laughs) it's a long, yeah, it's, it's a a weird (laughs) story with that whole thing because it was, they were making a lot of money off of their green onions type of thing. But so he's always, he's, he's always, I felt seemed kind of like a restrained vocalist in, in, in the the Hammond organ and in his, when he plays, yeah, a lot of times he's finding the mood and the groove, but when he takes off, he's the vocalist. And, and if you listen to Booker T and the MG stuff, that was, he was, and so that was, he was helping me. He was really, the organ sometimes would would really lead me places um, emotionally and melodically. Some of the lyrics are already written, but here's a good example. The, the, the second half of the song, Collar of Your Shirt, um, was all Booker. Like I, I didn't, the, the first two minutes of that song I, was the song I wrote with Walt Martin. And when we were in the studio doing it, we just got to that. And we're like, it feels like it needs to go. It feels like it needs another chapter, another, it needs to go to a new, it feels like we're still in Kansas and it needs to go to Oz, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he was, 
he that whole the last three minutes of that song or two the last half of that song was all Booker and he he and I just kind of followed his melodies and I and he and, and he just said like go ahead just keep and he kind of encouraged me to so I wrote the second part of that kind of in the room or just in a few hours that day with Booker and that might be my favorite I feel like that might be my favorite part of the record where because I can tell I really. I really kind of, he pushed me off of a limb and I was, and mm. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't hit the ground. I, I you know, I, um, and that was, so, so I, to answer your questions, like, yeah, I feel like this record is much more intimate and much more weirdly, uh, you know, exposed or something or, uh, um, yeah. yeah. Well, the, but, the the sound yeah. is stripped down. It seems it yeah. only stands to reason. Like that was one of the things. The national, what I love about the national, and this is true of Elvi in a different way, yeah. is it really is a wall of sound, right? It feels like uh-huh. this. It feels like an ocean wave, right? Yeah. Especially when the horns are coming in and the drums are often very textured and and rich. And this has a lot of richness and a lot of texture. So don't misunderstand. But it doesn't feel like. When you told me your method for writing for the national was that you'd listen to the songs, listen to the music and you'd mumble and then you'd come up with it. It felt like there was more information in a national tapestry than there was in say the the single acoustic guitar playing for a collar of your shirt, playing just like a pretty, again, I'm not putting it down, but it's a pretty basic. Yeah. ECD kind of area. And then I'm like, I'm thinking about you going, well, what do you, what do you do? And then the melodies are incredible. Like in color of your shirt specifically, you're going up in your register and it sounds really wonderful, but that's sort of like, it's not entirely new, but like to have it so minimal and to have you singing high is is very naked. So it doesn't surprise me that you match that lyrically. Yeah, well, it, it, Booker wanted in, in Sean O'Brien, the engineer, that it was it was important for them to uh, for, for them they really having the the vocal really high up in the mix, um, or, or just or just a, a, a lot of space around it, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 it, not a lot of things com- competing with the same tone my vocal is in, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, so Booker, those guys are really good at like, okay, what is what are the essential elements, um, and what and what is just what is just adding another layer of the same color? And sometimes that's just like, you know, a tone, you know, just too many too many keyboards or this or that two things can can suddenly. Um, it's a different thing. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's a very, very different thing. If, if the national is like an ocean and Elvi is like a raging river, um, you know, this was a little bit more of like, you know, a, a warm, a warm it, pond. It <laughs> feels know? like a cabin. A summer pond. It's yeah. one of those records like the Willie Nelson record that you, when you hear it or the Johnny Cash, the later one that he did all the uh-huh. covers. Yeah. All those American recordings and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. When you, which is um, Rick Rick Rubin, yeah. When you listen to it, and I include Serpentine Prison in this, you're actually thinking of you in like a wood-paneled, cozy cabin studio. <laughs> like uh-huh. that's what it feels like. It feels like, like yeah, it feels like people making music. And so Elvi sounds like I, I walked into like a European party or something. Yeah, you know, like it has like a real 
Uh-huh. And of course you would write to that. Like Elvi to me is your funny, funnier lyrics. Not just if shit. Elvi is like a is like a, a, a European disco. Yeah, okay. And I was saying it was funny, and then I was like, not to say that Serpentine Prison doesn't have right. funny lyrics because it does. And then I said one that I wrote down that makes me laugh is I don't know I'm slow, which uh-huh. I think is I think that's super funny that somebody that's slow wouldn't even know that they were slow. <laughs> I don't even know if that's what you meant, but it makes me well, laugh. Well, yeah, I mean I, I think it's it's like like I don't know, I'm stupid, you know. I'm 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 Oh, it's like, that. I actually thought yeah. it was I'm no, so like, stupid I don't even know I'm stupid. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, yeah. That, that's kind of what it is. I'm, I'm so dumb. I, I, I don't even know how dumb I am. Um, <laughs> um, well, I would say it's funny. It's like I, I'm always. I think I always am mixing, um, kind of equal levels of just of, of you know whatever sincere, um, you know things that make me break my heart. You know, I, I don't. I don't write it down a lyric unless it breaks my heart a tiny bit, you know, or makes me laugh. And then, and after, after writing like three or four lines that are just heartbreaking, you have to write, and it's not even, I don't even think about it. You throw, you automatically throw something um, stupid or silly in there to relieve that tension. And and that's what, I mean, I, I, I've been talking about, um, I, was, I was talking about you, I was talking about Sarah Silverman and, and Zach and, and just the comedians that I know how, and and everything it's it's like that's the whole thing what you're doing is you make everyone a little bit on you have to make everybody uncomfortable and then break a while and then you let them know that like it's we all know how you feel we all feel the same way and that's the release is like is 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 um and 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 good songs are doing the exact same thing where like ah it's just it's crushing but then they say something you're just like Man, that's it. Just, and they relieve the tension. Even songs that don't have like comedy in them, like I, I, there's a song, you know, uh, uh, "Highway Patrolman" by Bruce Springsteen off of Nebraska, and it's just a crushing song about two brothers, one murders somebody, and one's a cop, and he's got to chase him down. And and um, but then there's these moments where they just talk about, and you and I were dancing with Maria, you know, and we we, we were we were singing and dancing and getting drunk together. And he, that's the chorus. It always comes back to that. But boy, yeah. the rest of it is the rest of it is harrowing wow and he just lands with it and you just sing along to that thing of, of of the two of them like trading off with the cop's wife the older brother's wife and they both were probably in love with her one went to nam and got ptsd and ended up you know messed up and murdered somebody and the other one was a cop with a family and you know just different fates and and but of two brothers that would have one of the exact same things you know and, and then the chorus always rescues you from and it rescues you from that you know and and so Ah, uh, yeah. It's, well, it's in like, your in this record. Oh, sorry, Matt. No, but you do that. But comedy, it's the same balance, right? The same balancing act. It's a little bit of like totally. You know, put people. Uh, you know, on on not not you don't do it purposely, but put them on on a little bit of uncomfortable edge, and then you say it's okay, and then you that's then right. You say I'm there too. That's right. That's I feel like that's what even I think you can see that in graphic arts. There's little winks of characters in paintings that are like, I know this is awful. And I think that that's really important. Um, you know, an example in Serpentine Prison, I wanted to ask you specifically about this line, just because every time I hear it, talk about a joke format, like you want there to be as much information in one line as possible. It actually reminds me of improv. If you and I were doing improv, I'm looking for an opening line that paints the most vivid picture 
for you, my scene partner, and for the audience. So I might say something like, can you believe they just left the door to this museum unlocked? This is going to be way easier than I thought, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a good improv opening because now you know we're burglars, we're in a museum, and it's going well. Right. I know this is sort of silly, but I'm tying this to your world. Yeah. The line that you that opens one of the songs uh, is, forget about what I said, I want to see you right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is... That's like a little, uh, I, I'm not, I hope I don't make you uncomfortable, but that seems like a masterclass. And like, I'm going to give you yep. a feeling. I'm going to give you a color. I'm going to give you a feeling. And the music is going to take it over the top. But you know so much in that line. Yeah. Forget about what I said. So we're picking up in the middle of a scene, like a good Tarantino yeah. scene. We yeah. start in the middle. You don't start yeah. with, I'll have a cup of coffee. You start with, why does nobody ever rob restaurants? You start right in the middle of the scene. Yeah. So I, I'd love to hear you talk about that. And then specifically to what we were just saying, the next co- a couple lines later, you say on a glass bottom boat, which is not a joke, but it's a little bit of dancing with Marie. It's a little bit of color and, and beauty yeah. to take away. Would you agree to take away from some yeah. of the, the, the sandbag of, of heavy heartedness yeah. of forget about what I said. I want to see you right now. I'm like, what is going on in this guy's life? I've been there. I know that feeling. Well, that's, I think you just, just I mean, that's why music is music or something. I think it's like, I mean, um, the best music is the most uncomfortable, difficult, uh, blurry, uh, you know, in impossible situations, the best songs are about those. That's right. You know, you know love or whatever it is. It, it, it's about, you know, the blues and soul or, you know, are um, all comes from people with, in, with impossible, impossible, seemingly impossible mountains to climb or, or roads to, 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 to walk. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and musicians and artists, are always like as a comedian, it's like you, you can have a lot of choices what you're going to do with your life. And you, you chose a really very difficult road to walk because it was a road towards um, something that did discovery and, and, and understanding yourself and for other people to understand you. And like, that's a hard thing. And, and, and the way you found, the only way you found to do that, the, the, the quickest way for you, it was, was, was to make people laugh. Right? That's right. That's right. And, and, and and I get that, you know, I, I like that too. And like at some point in my, I, I did it through graphic design and through art. And then, and then I got to be in a band because, you know, and then, and so, so I'm, I think every, like most people are always trying to find that, even if they're trying to find it through softball or, 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 or golf, you know, yeah. or, or whatever, or people, you know, free climbing, you're, you're trying to find a, dis- a discovery. You're trying to conquer fears. You're trying to right. find something true, you know? And so, um, I, I guess I guess the, the point is is like why waste time? You know why? And, and like j- just uh, I don't know. And, and to your specific point about like yeah, you drop you you put somebody in a in a heavy story a spot, you know, yeah. or you just yeah. like just a song title can just you can start spinning off like the, the the song title Serpentine Prison was just like I saw this pipe with a cage on top. It looked like a twisty jail. And then I started rhyming and, and then all of this stuff about my life and anxiety and everything, my daughter, my band, my other band, the country, all just started coming into these because there was like, you had a little pattern and a rhyme and, and the pattern and the rhymes 
are pleasurable. It's it's yeah. like it, it, and, and so there's that in, in the music when you put music behind it or, or, or a guitar or a piano or strings or you know just blues where whether it's you know uh, Muddy Waters or whoever it is or, you know Nina Simone, um, very painful stuff packaged in a really beautiful um, way um, is 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 what art is you know and, and like. Yeah the best comedy is usually very painful stuff delivered so well that, that instead of people getting up and walking out, they're buying tickets to come back to be told your painful stuff because then you, because you make it enjoyable because you're sharing your, 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 and people line up, you know, people buy tickets to our shows to see me suffer publicly. <laughs> sort of. And that's why I go see rock is I want to see somebody say all that shit out loud with lights on them yeah. and, and let me sing along with them. And we all get to do that together. You know, yeah. it's the same thing with church. You go to, I mean, I mean you, you yeah. know, you spend a lot yeah. of time in churches. There's something about a community coming together to share their dark, all the saddest things of themselves, you know, and not just share it, but create it. I mean, yeah. the crowd is creating mm-hmm. what it is watching yeah. you're mouthing along with rock. We're singing along to your songs the thing is, is all of it. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, like I do, it is. So I remember at some point it was like, just the first line is like, if you can get a good, like, I can't remember what song it's from, but just like meet me in the hallway with a drink. You know, I can't remember. It's a national song, but like um, nobody, I guess nobody else will be there. Right. Yeah. 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 It's something it's just like you set it up and just like, you know, meet me in, meet me out in the hallway with a cocktail, you know, and it's like, holy shit, that's loaded. You know, whatever. Yeah. You just can't wait to see. I think it's the- with a certain amount of gin. I think you yeah, specify. Yeah. And it's like, I, it always yeah. sounds like you're saying a pint of gin or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A glass it's of not gin. A pint, but I, I, that line sticks a to me. Yeah. A glass of gin. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, so, so yeah, it's, it's, and, and like, all I have to do is kind of, sometimes I just, I will imagine, you know, you daydream, you imagine yourself somewhere, you imagine a conversation and you, you write down a phrase from that conversation that you just wish you could say to somebody that you never have the guts to. And then yeah. you start thinking about all the other conversations connected to that. And then you start skipping around between people and places and time. And, and you realize that like, whatever that little conversation in the hallway with, with a glass of gin was about, you know, you wanted to talk to 10,000. There's like 20 people you really, or there's a bunch of people you, you wanted to talk to in the hallway. And so yeah. just get out in the hallway with a glass of gin, set a <laughs> setting and then talk to everybody about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I I know we're not talking about that album, but it's, about all the construction. Do you hear all that on your end? All that I do a little hammering? bit. See, we're doing what you do lyrically is we know people listening can hear the banging and it's causing suffering. And then we just go like, you hear the banging. That's what it is. That's I hear heart. it. I, <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of my heartbeat. It's irregular. But there <laughs> is that line. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, one, again, an example of not a funny line, but it always sticks out to me. It's in Serpentine Prison. And you're saying all of these beautiful, heart-exposing things, and you say, "Do not forgive me." Cookies and drool, and oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, picking up my kid from school, smelling like Girl Scout cookies and drool is really funny. But I immediately go like, "Oh, he's getting stoned during the day, and he's eating Girl Scout cookies." Like it's not, it's not a light image, but it makes me funny. Daughter thinks it's about cookies. That's her favorite song. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it's the specificity of Girl Scout cookies yeah. that you're like eating. To me, you're eating your daughter's cookies. Like you're stealing her cookies. So yeah, that's but, the funny part. Yeah. But then this isn't, uh, it's not a motivational lyric. It's sort of like a, I know what it's like to want to sleep late kind of lyric yeah. to me. But then you also say, do not forgive me, heavy line. I'm a reptile. It's just colorful enough to to be that, like, do you hear this banging? Like, it's like, it's yeah. just a, it's a respite to yeah. be like, I'm also here to delight you with a surprise. Yeah. There's so many times you do that. Yeah. No, you have to, I mean, if you, if you, if you say something like, do not forgive me, um, you 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 can't go any further with that. You kind of have to. You can't go. You can't go. Do not forgive me because I've done unforgivable things. That's know? right. That's right. Um, or because I'm I'm not worthy of forgiveness. Like you can't, you don't need to. It's like it's, you don't need to keep saying that. That's right. In so fact, like, do not forgive me is like like oh what did you do? You know I'm just a I'm 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 a ter- terrible you know yeah. awful thing. I'm a reptile. Yeah. You know, but I'm, but I love, you know, but then the whole thing is like, I'm not, there's nothing bad about a reptile, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, I am what I am. And sometimes that's the best way to do it, you know, without, without, you just get out without, without explaining. You're like saying like, I love that. You're you're just just like, yes, I'm awful. I know. Um, Here's a balloon. I'm sorry. You know, here's a balloon. You know, it's just like, look at my balloon. I'm not all awful. You know? When Horatio Sands was called into Lorne Michaels' office for breaking, <laughs> laughing too many times stories. on the show, and he's he's going to fire him, is how I've been told the story. He keeps laughing during the show, and he's going to reprimand him, and Horatio Sands goes, sorry, I must have swallowed a clown. <laughs> and he laughed so hard, it, it just completely dissolved the tension of the meeting. Uh-huh. And that to me is, I'm a reptile. I know that reptiles yeah. are cold-blooded. I know that they're not exactly like ethical or whatever, but it's like, you're ha- it's like that moment where you're having a fight or a disagreement and you accidentally say something that's sort of charming. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like something the person you're talking to would be like, don't do that. Don't, don't make me laugh. You know what I mean? And, or don't be cute. Like, yeah. even though they love it. It's, it's really. No, it's, it's you always, it's, it's like a moment in a conversation, you know, at, at Thanksgiving or with your family or with or somewhere where it's like, somebody says something, you're like, <gasps> okay, everybody's, you know, there's a moment where like, uh oh, how's everybody going to react to that? What that person just said or uh, what, you know, and then somebody in the, you know, and somebody just farts, you know, like makes a yes. fart. And just yes. attention. It's just like, it's a reminder that like, Yes, we all have these 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 feelings and these 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 uh, uh, desires and and frustrations and fears that are are we don't want anyone to know about. We're yeah. humiliated by or um, you know or ashamed of, and 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 in, in in a good conversation in a good family or in a good relationship, those things do get said out loud, right? Right. Um, and and. It's a safe place to say those things out loud because they're still there. And a healthy relationship was was when somebody can say, okay, that's painful and hurtful, but I know that doesn't define you or us. And and let's joke about, let's make a joke about how honestly painful that is. And, you know, and so, so music, and, and I'm not saying like my music, but like all good music, all good rock and roll, all good blues, all good jazz is like is a combination of just heartbreak and then and then and then 
and then some some release some yeah. release of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that's not any art that's not giving you a dose of heartbreak or a dose of anxiety or a dose of wonder about like, what should I think about this? Like I have this Maplethorpe book and Robert Maplethorpe had a big exhibition in Cincinnati. Do you know Robert, Robert Maplethorpe? No, I don't think so. Uh, good friends with Patty Smith's uh, uh, took mostly photographs of flowers, but also a lot of very graphic uh, sexual stuff. Um, and, you know, had an exhibit in Cincinnati and, um, you know, 90% of it is like irises and beautiful photos. And, uh, and, uh, but the, the, the photos that were, that were graphic, uh, um, sex between men, um, beautiful photos were all anybody talked about. Right. Mm. And, but also he had to, you know, the flowers and everything were as important to him as the graphic, you know, S and M, um, sexual stuff. Um, I, and I guess, I guess the point is, is that like, when I saw that, when my parents and I, because it was a big sensation, they, they, they the cops, you know, tried to shut the museum down and, and the curators, like it was a standoff, an armed standoff with curators and police officers, you know, they had their guns and they were, they stormed the museum to shut down this Robert Maplethorpe's photo exhibition. Right. Mm-hmm. And so everybody had to go see it. And I remember seeing all those photographs as a teenager or whatever it was and thinking, thinking, just being a little bit uncomfortable, but totally enlightened and, mm-hmm. and, and just made to feel so le- just so, so less fearful of the universe and even of my own city, knowing that, that we fought for this man to show these photographs and right. this guy, you know, this guy doesn't care about Cincinnati. He's from New York and he lived, he was, he was roommates with Patty Smith. They were best friends and, and she's written books about him, but that guy's photographs changed Cincinnati changed me changed everything and and, but they were kind of you know you know looking at those with your parents and and hmm, i want you know discussing you know there's there's fisting there's you know there's it's 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 heavy full full on uh you know beautiful sex photos of 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 sex of types of sex and 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 um and and it's all real and it's all genuine and whole beautiful and it and my parents and i we and my parents and i we discussed those photos right yeah and i think those photos changed my parents you know huh. and, and and it wasn't you know going in and looking at those photos it wasn't like ah oh, let me go look at these but it was like whoa 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 you know you know and I, I'd, I'd seen plenty of porn you know <laughs> I, 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 I had a stack of hustlers you know in the woods like everybody else did um you know but but this was this was different and that was a much well, it was better, also much I better mean, photography <laughs> isn't it because it's not in the woods isn't the medium part of the message it's it's in a art museum mm-hmm. it's on display yes. and i'm just so envious of that relationship it makes me love your parents even more it's like that yeah. they could talk about it with you and that they were saying yeah. we are also not done we are affected by this and we have oh, to yeah. process this and talk about this. And if I'm hearing you correctly, tying it back to songwriting, we have to get our S and M photos and our flower photos. You got the ratio. Yep, exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 If it were, if, I mean, Robert, Robert Maplethorpe knew, I mean, I'm not saying like, like the, the, the flowers were the Trojan horse, you know, for so he could sneak in these, you know, uh, whatever, uh, salacious photos not at all i'm, I'm sure sh- the flowers i know were as important to him right but he knew that he 
he he probably could have filled a museum of you know of the, these 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 photos of sex and honest eroticism and um he could have but but he knew that that that's that was that was going to really diminish his message if all he did was 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 talk about that and, and he didn't even have a message it's not a, about a message it was a i mean really, i mean of course he had a message but he was he was he was honestly photographing things that were were he found you know incredibly moving and loving in the most beautiful photographs you could imagine he was honoring those those irises as much as he was honoring the sexual his his sexual self you know right. and well, honoring- isn't that the message then too it's like especially when you look at a flower and you say this is natural and i was raised with a lot of people that might look at two men having uh bondage sex and say that's unnatural right. Right. so the two together becomes a third message it's not just like yeah. that's the point is to have yeah the mix yeah and i mean and, and his whole thing was like you know it's about the body and the, and, and the beauty of nature and and and, and so a, a lot of his, his 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 photographs of nature were also really graphic you know sexually incredibly graphic you know yeah. and so he was like why we're not we're no different than flowers right you know or or, yeah. or or animals or all these things we're not that different but and, look at reality reality puts bdsm next to flowers you know what i mean it's only the human mind that starts separating right well that's eroticism and this is right. i tried for a long time maddie i couldn't get it to work a bit called uh, erotic universe and i was like <laughs> people people Try think it out. give it a shot <laughs> well i'll tell you it, it won't it won't have the same zing but it's like you get erotic universe. I'm sure that'll get a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> it's the idea that, like, when you breathe in and breathe out, you're being penetrated. It's like it's it's not just sex. It's like when you eat, and I kept going like when you okay. eat, like you chew it up, don't you? You dirty <laughs> horse. You chew it up and you taste it, and then you swallow it. Of I'm course, me hungry, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and then I I talk about. I always thought it was funny that yeah. the most homophobic people I've ever known were the ones that would talk about how great it felt to go to the bathroom. Like they talk, they love talking about the eroticism <laughs> of going to the bath. Like they, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's sort of a tricky area. I don't want to say one yeah. thing to another. I'm just saying right. in the joke, I would say you're the ones announcing how wonderful your reverse anal right. felt. Uh-huh. Like, but that's just pointing out that it is erotic. Like taking a shit is sort of erotic. Eating, well, that's a, I, think, erotic. I think. You know what Eating I love about sort of erotic. swimming. When you swim, water goes inside your vagina. <laughs> it tickles your asshole. I went to the <laughs> I went to the Dead Sea in Israel, and everyone's asshole was burning. And every girl was like, "I'm disinfecting the walls of my vulva right now." Like uh, it's erotic. Like, but it's only the. I'm just imagining you at Surf Cincinnati, a water park that we we used to go to, <laughs> <laughs> giving this sermon. <laughs> Here's the thing about like all that butt stuff, right? Like, like, like everybody. Um, all the sexual stuff and like, you know, you grew up in, inside a, a, a religious sort of, uh, you know, system and, and, and all, all the repression and of all the sexual repression and all the just, you know, guilt and all the stuff. You, we, we've talked about that a lot. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but what I, I really find like, like shows like um, Bob's Burgers um, or, um, you know, even South Park and just 
uh, I really, I really like Lauren Michaels' stuff because because he's really sex positive and all you know all this stuff. I really mm-hmm. like like the song WAP. I think I've been comparing uh, Megan Thee Stallion a little bit to Robert Maplethorpe, um, mm-hmm. where it's um, in, in, in a different kind of fun packaging, but like this the the, the honest celebration of of feminine desire and, and sexuality right. and, and the reclaiming and also, of it. Yeah, yeah, reclaiming it, and also just just you know. Um, you know, exaggerating it just the way hip hop, you know, rock and roll and all that stuff exaggerates freedom or exa- not, not doesn't exaggerate, but celebrates it. And so um, I, I, you know, when, when I, I really think it's important for uh, all artists to Miranda July is also an artist who really talks about all that stuff. And she's, um, she's really good about talking about um, uh, sexual guilt in, 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 children and all this stuff and, and all, and, and, um, so well, I had, I had Phoebe Bridgers on. What's that? I had Phoebe Bridgers on that, yeah. that episode will have been out last week. And I hadn't been to her Instagram until after yeah. and I followed her and I was like, that's someone who's playing with the idea of the sexualization of the pop star. Uh, I didn't know that when I interviewed her, but afterwards I was like, oh my God, this is also, this is funny in a new way, sort of in what you're, it seems like you're talking about. I know you know her, so I thought maybe. Well, it's like, it's, it's why David Bowie and, 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 and all these people, um, you know, they, 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 they take you to, 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 uh, really, really honest, um, sometimes extreme places, um, well, that's what's so funny. Steven Tyler, Mick Jagger, it's like the most hard-headed, and I'm being honest, I'm thinking of specific people, but like homophobic, sort of closed-minded people that fucking loved Aerosmith. And I was like, there's something is like <laughs> being oh, transmitted in just seeing the, the raw freedom of somebody yeah. like Steven Tyler or whoever it might be. Or Fear, I mean, I mean, everybody, I, I do, I do think um, um, sexual repression and, and, and fear of, of, you know, most most organized religions have been been taken over by and run by white men, and white men are, are are terrified of losing their power. Always, you know, and and that's why I think white men are terrified of women and and and, and people of color and all that stuff. But a lot of it, spe- specifically women, and like what's happening in this country with 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 all the women's rights being you know, and all this the the sexism and racism that's this they're they're really trying to hold on to something, and they're holding on to their fear, right? And like. Mm-hmm. Why are why are men so afraid of women's sexuality? You know, and why are men so afraid of their own sexuality? And we build these things. And I think I think fear of um, of honest sexuality is is kind of the is is almost the the central. It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. No, that's what I mean. Because capitalism yes. is about yeah. trying to get more to impress. It's like it's it's everything is about sort of. Well, we trade pictures of men for goods. <laughs> Oh my goodness! You know yeah. what I mean? Here, here's a picture of a guy that has a dick. Yeah. Can I have this gum? I'll give you a, a picture of something. That has yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we, t- we trade pictures of, of of slave owners and and white slave owners, and that's our currency. You know, that's right. And and yeah. and give me a break. You know, so so and we see Trump and, and and the Republican Party is the party of fear, is the party of insecurity, is the party yeah. of white male sexual insecurity. That's what it is. Yeah, that's right. And you know I can, what? That's what most organized religions kind of are. And, yeah. and, and they use all that, you know, against everyone. And like, I, I know more self-loathing 
straight white men than any other demographic. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, pseudo straight white men or something like that. Like because of, of, I mean, I grew up, like I said, my, I'm, I am, I am a heterosexual. I'm just like, you know, like I'm, I'm whatever. I'm peanut butter and jelly when it comes to sort of like the, the spectrum of, 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 lifestyle spectrum or whatever you want to call it you know i'm just i am i don't think about it that much but uh, you know i I don't have anything really to hide yet i no one does yet i still felt incredibly guilty about my oh yeah everything you know it's religious yeah i've said this a million but you have to come out as straight like i had to i had to be like mom dad i love boobies like it was like and remember, I remember you and Corinne came and saw uh, with me and Val. I did some stand up, and Corinne pointed out I, that she really liked my joke about big boobs, and that was the the heart of that joke. Yeah. To go back to what we were saying is yeah. sad. It's yeah. someone saying without saying yeah. it. I don't feel comfortable with a woman with big boobs because I don't want anyone to know what I like, yeah. and I just want to blend in because that's that's a joke about sexual shame. So I'm just I'm just completely yeah. agreeing with you. No, no, I know. It's, and then even all the guns and everything, it's all the guns are just, it's all fear. It's all these talismans of fear. You know, people are coming for your what? For your, your wives, for your daughters, for your guns, for your, for your job. Like it's, it's like for your land, like I I don't know what people are so afraid of. And, and, And somehow it's just all, it's the Catholic church. I mean, I don't know that, that much about other organized religions, but it always seems that it, 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 uses people's self-loathing against them. Yes, everybody poops. They've weaponized everybody God. poops, basically. God, yeah. No, it's, it's even that. Even and, that. And, people and people are afraid, afraid to go to the bathroom, or ashamed yeah. of going to the bathroom. But dude, <laughs> I, And it's still happening. I was sort of saying, like, oh, not to be weird to say the poop feels good. It does feel good sometimes. And that's that's like, why? <laughs> I'm just talking about poop. I'm not comparing it to anything. I'm just saying, I... Get it. I get it. And even that is shame. Everything is shame. And everything in art, to, and I'm not even forcing, I hope I'm, it doesn't feel forced, but going back to the record is yeah, yeah. standing on stage under lights. It's what the National does and it's what Serpentine Prison is doing is saying like, everybody poops and everybody sort of. is afraid of their own sexuality. And I'm, I mean, it's one of the touchstone lyrics that you've written is I'm afraid of everyone. <laughs> I mean, like that's, you can't get any better than that to get 10,000 people singing along. I'm afraid of everyone. The paradox of it, notwithstanding, it's a beautiful thing. Let's yeah. not, let's not be ashamed. Well, that's what I think it comes. I, I've been talking generally about art. I don't think what you do or what I do or, um, you know, what, uh, what, you know, my mom is a painter or, or, uh, you know, or, or really we're all kind of doing the, the same thing, um, with just, just different mediums and different tools is just trying to say, God, uh, everything's kind of fucked up, but I'm, but I still, I, 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 I kind of hate myself, but I don't feel like I should hate myself. And I feel like mm. I can just explain myself. Um, I, I won't hate myself anymore, and you won't hate me, and, and actually, we'll start loving each other. You know, right. it's like, can I tell like you? Every joke you tell is trying to say so that, you know, but better, I, but but way funnier and better than I, I just did. No, I'm so with you. There's this great, I forget where it comes from. Forgive me, but there's this great saying, which is an all-knowing God is an all-forgiving God, mm-hmm. and that's sort of the idea. Is like 
I've said a million because I can't stop thinking about it, is you could make a movie about you if we had all the footage of your life that made me think you were a piece of shit. Like yeah. maybe, it's only, maybe it's only a 20 minute movie, but like you could make a little oh, movie. Yeah. It's like Matt Berninger didn't whatever, call his best you, you, friend you, back or yeah. whatever it is. You can make seven seasons of Matt Berninger as piece of shit. Um, That's right. But can we make seven seasons of Matt Berninger? Is Matt Berninger the son of God? You know what I mean? Like, is I he like, say, I would say I have more se- I have far more seasons of being a good, good guy than being a piece of shit. And that's uh, my point. But yeah. like, who's editing the movie? Often right. we're editing our own movie. Yeah. And when I get on stage and say, I'm embarrassed that my wife, I'm over it, but I used to be embarrassed that my wife has big boobs. Um, that's me saying, can we all talk about the stuff that we're feeling weird about and, and, and edit each other's yeah. movies more favorably, more compassionately? Yeah. 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 Just, just break, just more bravery. And like, I, I, I talk about it. It's, 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 um, I don't, I never, I never use the term. I mean, I have, but like the term of is there's a fearless, fearless artist. No, no. Fearlessness yeah. is psychosis. Uh, bravery is here's all my fear. Fearless, mm. it's, it's like art, the best artist. It's the it's the opposite of fear. It's like it's not. I don't. It's, I'm not fearless. I have all this fear. Look at it, and yes. and, and they put all your fear right. And so that's that's bravery. Is like leaning into your fear, celebrating your fear, showing everyone else your fear, and saying that's nothing to be afraid of. You know, I love that. I love that. That is just that's worth its weight in gold. <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish I had I had some I had that weight in gold uh yeah no but th- that's the other thing about artists like, <laughs> a lot of people that talk about artists and and uh i if you expect to make money off of art then then you could and you should try you should definitely try to make as much money off of whatever it is or you know whatever it is you're making i i, I agree with that as long as as long as it's you're not taking from someone else but like you should make as much money off your art but if you if you depend on it you're gonna have a hard time um meaning if you can't burn the whole barn down, it's, it's well, a, it's a type art sometimes has to be the thing that you, you can't make money off of it or else it, it ruins it. Like if it has to be the thing you, in a lot of ways, like if you're not making money off of it, you're in the, just the, you don't worry about that. You're in the perfect <laughs> spot to make the best art, you know, right, right. when you start making money off of it, you start to like uh, craft it and it starts to like, you start to craft it into, you know, more of a product because like, Oh, I, I sold that that thing, and don't don't worry about selling anything. Like 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 you have to sell your just you have to do what's really if you're really hard just to talk about what's really going on. People will buy it. You know, it's like don't worry about packaging it into a pop song or this or that. That's a craft you do later. But when you're writing the stuff, when you're writing the joke, the one that gets the easiest laugh. Who cares? One, yeah, you know. Isn't there's that a lot you, of comedies? Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, what, what were you saying? There's a lot of what? I mean, there's so many com- comics out there that are, that, are, that are incredibly successful at, you know, because they just deliver the easy laughs, the ones that you don't have to think about or right. talk to your wife about on the way home. Right. You, the ones that you just, you know, it's like fast food. You eat it up and you, need, you drink it right. down, you go home and you, and you don't think about it ever again. They can't really not work. I think that's one of the things that makes stand-up so engaging for me is no matter, it might be my fans or whatever, there's still jokes where I'm like, if I can't 
figure this out. If I can't feel it again and re-experience it in the moment, I don't think I'll be able to help them understand what's funny about what I'm saying. So there's this risk. So I am really nervous. Easy joke. You'll kill, if you're out there doing easy jokes every night, it's just, yeah, it's why not, why not just answer the phones at a phone bank, you know? <laughs> you, have to, you know what I'm saying? You have yeah. to, you have to stay scared, you know, yeah. because yeah. then you're not, if you're up there on stage, not figuring out anything out for yourself, then you're just serving donuts. Right? That's right. That's right. On stage, I, joke. Yeah, I did that on, maybe we even talked about this on the episode of this that will air after this. Um, but it seems familiar because I think I told you about the first time I did Fallon. I just did one-liners. I just played it as safe as you could play it. And I, I was so sad afterwards. It was just such yeah. a depressing because I was yeah. like, I'll just do bulletproof jokes. And I was like, and my favorite Conan is I do this joke about adults who eat candy. And uh-huh. it's like a six minute bit, Matt, that relies on me miming eating different candies. And I yeah. couldn't even tell you exactly where the laughs are supposed to be. It's like a guy talking about trouble in his marriage while he's eating um, fun dip. And that's the joke. And if you don't like it, it's not really going anywhere new. And it's like six minutes long. And that is my favorite late night set because it was the riskiest one. It was, yeah. it was, it was balls out. Well, Miranda July uh, said something interesting about that, how she's like, <clears throat> she used to open for punk bands and she used to do these spoken word things. And, 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 and she was always, always writing about sort of humiliation and like, how, like, what does that mean? Like, what do you, what can you do to yourself to like, what does it really mean to be humiliated? So, and, and, you know, she would tell very, very personal, very sort of exposed, sometimes invented, sometimes through stories and she would get booed and, and, and wow. it was, and, but she was like, this is perfect. This is like all she's most, she's most interested in humiliation. And this audience is allowing her to explore humiliation in real time. She was like, she was like in the zone. Right. Wow. That is the secret of life, by the way. So, Oh my God, this is humiliation. And instead of running from it going like, I am the universe experiencing humiliation. Once I learned to love humiliation or, or survive humiliation night after night after night on stage, wrote a song about it called humiliation. Yeah, no, I'm thinking it's in my head and right now. <laughs> once I learned to like, Oh, humiliation is, is, it's just, it's, 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 it's like, it's, you're adding armor. You're like, you're like being humiliated is sort of like breaking out of a plastic bag. Every time you're humiliated, you're like, Oh, I no longer have to be embarrassed about being in or telling everybody like I'm inside this bag. You just like humiliate yourself and you're like, Oh, <laughs> and then you're free. Yeah. You know? Oh my God. You I love everybody. That. You're, you're the things you find most self-loathing about yourself. If you just show everybody, then you stop. Then you're like, oh yeah, everybody knows that. I don't have to hide anything and I, and I like myself more. And and lace it with enough flowers. I don't mean to be yeah. too commerce here, but like I, I would see comics that were just like, oh, I'll be like Lenny Bruce. I'll be like Bill Hicks and I'll just tell them about the polyp on my asshole or whatever. And right. you just need to find, I'm not saying you can't, you can talk about anything and that's what's so fucking pure about it. But like, Every once in a while, just like we were saying about your lyrics, just a, it's not even a wink. It's half of a wink to say, I know. That's it. That's what comedy is. And it's, it's to say, I'm not, it, it, you, you, you wink just to say, listen to me. I'm with you. And, yeah. and, and I know you're with me. That's right. It's, it's, like, it's like you're at a really uncomfortable party or like, let's, let's take a Thanksgiving dinner. Like the most, everybody's about to head into a lot of un- uncomfortable Thanksgivings probably this year or whatever it is. 
and you're sitting there and it's so tense and like let's say an uncle just gives you a little wink out of the yes. window. Like, don't worry about it. This is just, this is just family. This is just Thanksgiving where you're yes. just like, Oh, is everybody going to kill each other? And like an uncle just like kicks you in the table. like, you know, or makes a fart joke. It's, it's it. like, okay, uh, everything's going to be okay. These, uh, um, and so when I do a wink or like when I'm in the audience and somebody gives me a wink or gives me like, like, like I'm like, okay, you're with me. I know. Like sometimes it only takes one person. Yeah. You know? And you're just like, okay, well, at least I'm not in this weird place alone. And so oh. art that doesn't go to a weird place and, and invite people into the weird place and hold their hand there is just, what is it? You're not, you didn't go on an adventure. You stayed at home. Like you're like, yeah. you never left the yard. <laughs> That's so good. And that I have to imagine is why it's fun to play in a band. Cause the times that I've done some weird casino or something, yeah. And it's just like scary driving in and you just start feeling more and more of a nosebleed. Like you're not going to be able to relate. If there's another comedian with me, you can at least hear them laughing. And you're like, that's the wink today. Sometimes it's just the other comedian, but sometimes it's somebody in the front row, which I'm so glad you've had that experience too. One person that's giving of themselves completely yeah. can open up an audience like a flower. It'll just open up the whole... But it more often goes the other way, where like you'll have 10,000 people just just staring, just on, waiting for every word, and then there's one asshole. Yeah. You can't, can't... You can't even... All you're doing, you get so mad because there's one asshole texting or... Oh, I'm... A, I... Which I never really mind. I love when people aren't paying attention because then it's just... I feel less exposed. But there have been times where I'm like... All I could think about is some certain asshole. And I'm like, oh my God, one person is ruining it for me and I'm ruining it for everyone because yeah. what are we doing, you know? And what is the what is the belief there? The belief is everyone must be listening to me, and that's just not true. You know what I mean? It's not true. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know what it is. I I, I sometimes like I I mean it very it hasn't happened in a long time, but way back when we were struggling playing in little clubs and it was like only 20 people there. And if there's only 20 people there and then one of those 20 people is being a dick. They can ruin the whole show, right? Oh, Maddie, please don't think I'm saying yeah. get over yourself. No, no, I'm no, the no. Guy, if you're no. texting in the front row, I'm going to talk about it for 10 minutes. I, I, I can't. I can't. Because you know what it is? It's, it's you're trying to cast a spell yeah. and someone's going, magic's not real. Magic's yeah. not real. And it's like, it's yeah, it's not real if you keep saying <laughs> Everyone knows it's not real, but why? Yes. We know it's not real. We're just trying to believe in Santa for one Christmas, Debbie. Yes. We're on the fucking Android. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's also good, though. Sometimes it's great to have that person because you can, if, 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 you, if you know how to do it respectfully, you can zero in on them. And like, but I mean, I've seen bands, I saw a band crowded room and somebody yelled something. They just stopped the song turned off all the lights and put one spotlight on the guy and Whoa. just, and just, just berated him. Just, just <gasps> little this man for, 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 for two or three minutes while the whole audience just stood and he just was, had his head down. Oh and, my and God. Vicious. And then they went back to the show and everybody's like, yeah, and just sort of like, listen, man, we're in power. We have all the power. Watch yeah. this. You want to, you want to make some stupid comment? Watch this. Stop yeah. the song. Lighting guy, put it right on him. Now let's all look at him. That was always it's the brutal. Brutal. It, it is. It is brutal. It's almost. It's almost too much. I've, yeah, I've talked to that poor guy. Brothers told me a story on this podcast about going too far on a heckler. So it can't happen. The Squire Brothers. What did they, they do? Like, they humiliated someone so hard 
that they couldn't go back to the show. And that's happened to me too. I've, <laughs> I've told this story before, but I was, I was at some club and my opening line at the time was this, uh, just up top, this is a Lululemon. I don't want you wondering the whole show. And then I go, I like Lululemon. People make fun of it. I think it says something about me. And someone went, you gay? And right up top, I just leaned into this girl. I was like, it's 20, whatever year it was. I'm like, it's 2017. For fuck's sake, you can't be saying dumb really? shit. And I just, I just tried to do it lovingly, but I did reprimand her. I was like, and what if I was gay? Like, is that so yeah. weird? You know, that whole trip. And then I couldn't go back to my act. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't go back to like, you know what's great about lollipops? Like, it just didn't work. Yeah. No, sometimes you can't. Yeah, there's a, there's a, every once in a while I'll hear like like stick to pol or stick to music, you know. Yeah. You know, if I say something about you know, you know, we're here for the music, not the politics, and then and right, I'll just right. like, I'll go like, do you have any idea? Like this is all politics. <laughs> asshole. You know, it's like 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 why are you here? You, you know, you know what band you're at? Like yeah. this every song is politics. You fuckhead you know yeah, it's like yeah, it's yeah. just like sometimes how can you like, separate your your deepest ideologies with what music you listen to what art you consume what what kind of vibe is at the show all that for sure yeah are you asking me no i i was just agreeing <laughs> yeah. with you and i i hate yeah. that it sounded like you were about yeah. to say something and i, I no 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 i just it's that it's that thing where it's like on stage as a performer and as an artist um you're attacked you're always going to be attacked, especially as an yeah. artist starting out. Critics, it's their job. It's like we've talked about this. It's their job to tell someone, no, that's not magic, man. Yeah. You know, we can yeah. see the strings. You're full of shit. You're not telling us. And, and, and that's why real art is magic. And you can't, it's, it's real magic. I believe in yeah. it. Meaning, meaning it has a magical power to make people feel better yeah. um, when it's true. And it's in the, the true empathy is in there. That's magical. You know, I and completely it, agree. I, scientifically, I believe in magic. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's it completely serotonin. Oh so. dude, I had Moby on and I forgot to ask him if that's his house in mistaken for strangers. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> to ask him. It was, yeah, he lived there when we were there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he's since sold it, but that yeah, that castle. Oh, so funny! But we he he summed it up. So he goes, mitosis is magic. Mitosis, the the, the one cell splitting into two, is yeah. literally a miracle, and so is a corporate trance of a show. When I was in the car mm-hmm. and I was playing Val, surprise, as I call it. I, I literally, just to go back to how much I love it, I've listened to it in completion probably every day. It maybe sometimes twice a day. I just, I love it so much. And I put on my, yeah. <laughs> Did you say that's too much? Listen to some rancid. You're going to, it's going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if you do this with records. I wait until I'm tired of it and then I'll just put it into a normal rotation. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've, with, with all the music you make, I never, Go like okay, I gotta stop. I just can listen to it. Oh, that's nice. I do. Yeah, man, it's yeah. completely true. And I put on my eyes or t-shirts, and I just pointed out the lyrics. Like I just, I just like kind of gestured like you should listen to these lyrics. And yeah. Val cried. I yeah. know that's not new to you, but like that's a spell. If you yeah. were wearing a robe with stars and crescent moons on it, and I was like, this guy can say a few words, and you'll. 
not only is she crying, who cares? That's just a, yeah. a physical reaction. But it took her somewhere, yeah. and her art, her heart opened more, yeah. and she had an experience. That's a goddamn magic spell. Well, I can't. Like I said, like if if, if, if the song doesn't have if this if a song doesn't break my heart when I'm writing it and when I'm recording it and when I listen back to the recording, if I if it doesn't break my heart or yeah make me just laugh out loud or something is, you know, or, or both, it won't go on a record, you know? And so yeah. it's like, I, there's a lot of songs that I listen to. I'm like, that's a good song, but I'm like, it's just a, it's just a product. And then, then I've, I've, it, I'm aller- I've become allergic. Man, I do a lot of songs. I'm like, ah, there's like, hearing, people, hearing it later. I'm like, ah, there's, yeah, I was actually full, full of shit. And I, didn't even realize that how full of shit I was. And I have to be better. I, I feel like I keep writing the same song all, all, over and over again because I'm still full of shit. Yeah. I still haven't really said it. I still really haven't said it out loud yet. Whatever yeah. that is. I, it's like Einstein's theory of everything, you know, the, the unitive uh-huh. theory. Like you're, I, I feel the same way. And my friend, Michael Gunger, who's a great musician, put out a record and he was like, I feel like I've said it. And I was like, well, even if you figured you said it, say it again, just say it again, <laughs> like yeah. say it over. He's like, I need a new idea. I was like, no, just say that amazing idea. It's why people cover songs and like, and, and, you know, and, and like, it's like, I need to, I need to actually say those words myself. You know, Sinead O'Connor covers Prince, nothing compares to, to you because like she needed that, that. The only thing that could express. Yes. But she wanted to, to someone was that song. And she right. had to, she had to go in and become that song. And right. then she did. And then, and like her version is as good as Prince's, you know, That's and right. just like Whitney Houston's version of I will always love you is as good as Dolly Parton's. Yeah. They're, yeah, yeah. Just, And they're equally and they're entirely and they're out and they're, they're powerfully doing their things in very, in sometimes very different places and big, you know, giant movies or, you know, and so, so I guess, even if it's not your own thoughts, you have to say other people's thoughts over and over again. That's you know? right. But why, sorry to keep bringing up nobody else will be there, but that is my, that's like an anthem for me. It's, it's the feeling of holding your coat at a party, <laughs> yeah. which I know is a lyric, but, yeah. but I know Berbiglia feels the same way where it's like, oh, that's, that, that's like a song. And there's, I like need to specifically uh, another example, excuse me. Did you see the movie, uh, the family stone? It's my favorite Christmas movie. It's like the, it's, it's, oh. the, it's the only sad Christmas movie that I'm aware of. Uh, and it, it's basically if I'll be home for Christmas became a movie, which I think yeah. is high praise. Cause it's like a sad, yeah. but beautiful. Like you really want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's sad. Um, yeah. Who's in it? There's, it has Sarah Jessica Parker and... Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, now I know. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. And um, you either love it or you don't. It's not like well-reviewed or it's not, it's not unanimously well-reviewed. But anyway, there's this part where they're explaining that there was this um, native person. It's, I have to think it's based on a true story who like lost his wife or lost his child or something horrible. And then he had never carved in his whole life and he made a totem because it healed his heart yeah. to make something. And she was like, and when you look at it, you feel what he felt. And I was like, that's what art is. It's a very mushroomy thought when you're on mushrooms or something and you're like, I need someone to know what I'm experiencing. But that's what we feel when we're sober too. It's like, 
do you feel this? And Art yeah. says, yes, I do. You're not alone. You're not alone. And I think the, the biggest thing is, is, is uh, other, you'll go to, you'll go, you know, you'll see that totem pole or a bunch of your friends, or let's say if I went, if I had gone to that Maplethorpe exhibit with a bunch of my friends from high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, including me, would have probably made some joke about it, about how stupid, or, or like some, like somebody sees a, you know, a, a piece of work of art and like, I don't get it. Everyone's, right. art right. is not trying to intimidate you. Art's not trying to make you feel stupid, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think people, people have, 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 art sometimes when it's uncomfortable, people can feel like it's trying to make fun of them or make them feel stupid or taunt them, right? Yeah. I think people thought Robert Maple's, you know, Thorpe's photos were, were, were trying to, were aggressively trying to taunt them or make them feel like idiots or something. And it's yeah. like never what it is. And so why we act, we, we sometimes react to art um, so angrily is really funny. You know, it's because of the, of the dualistic mind. You either get yeah. it or you don't, you're either in or you're, it's, you're either getting fucked or you're being, or you're fucking. And America specifically, we only want to fuck. So to let a picture or music or all these things uh-huh. enter you and change yeah. you, yeah. this is why hecklers are always male, almost always male. Uh-huh. Not in the example that I gave in this episode, but mm-hmm. they're often male because there's something going on where I'm manipulated, like they might feel manipulated. They feel like they're getting fucked. They need, of, they're defending themselves. That's right. And, yeah. and going to an art exhibit and looking at a painting and letting it in is... I don't mean it's a womanly thing. I mean, it's it's sort of a feminine in that it's open, in that it's flowing, in that it's vulnerable. It's Men. less fearful. I mean, it's yeah. braver. And that's how but, it's a feminine thing to me. It's like, I, I generally think often women are just, are less, are, have less of the insecurity, yeah. systemic insecurity that men do because- That's true power. They let something actually affect them. You were saying yeah. because, because. Well, yeah, because, yeah, no, I think, I think, um, you know, the white patriarchal system that we live in, uh, especially here, um, is constantly trying to defend itself. And, 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 um, and so every painting, every photograph, you're like, okay, wait, 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 what does it say about my paradigm with which I'm, de- you know, the, the paradigm with which I'm stake, stake my claim. And I'm, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm defending my, my perspective on things. And this thing is questioning my perspective. And when, women or people of color, you know, don't have all that power to lose, you know, they're like, what's your problem, man? It's not about you. It's about this right. artist. And like, right. in there, and, and so they have so much power. So, so it's, it's when you have all the power in all the guns and all the, all the bank accounts and all the, the, the 1%, when you have it all, you just, all you start to worry about is keeping it. Yeah. I mean, what are you keeping? Like what's Mark Zucker, what's Mark Zuckerberg keeping? Like, what does he, what does he have? What does he have yeah. a collection of? What? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bank statements, I, you know. Uh, it goes. It, it goes to what you were saying too. It's like if you turn your art into a product, now the juice is go- gone, the life is gone. So when you're not risking it, when you're not able, as I said, to burn the barn down, to yeah. reset, to be vulnerable, to be changed. But then, I mean, I was just reading Richard Rohr, my Franciscan homeboy, and he was talking about that's the whole spiritual path too. Is staying fluid, staying changeable, that you can actually get past your brain that goes, yeah. I'm rich, you're poor, you're this, you're that. That's a good painting. That's not a good painting. Can yeah. you, here's, here's my summary, summary of spirituality. Shut the fuck up and let what is 
enter you, yeah. <laughs> then that's actually, it seems like a passive position, but it's a powerful and it, position. And, and nothing is working against you. It's all there f- to work for you. That's right. Brilliant. You know, um, it's all desire is, is a positive thing. Sex is a positive thing. It's, yeah. it's a good thing between people yeah. um, and, 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 and all that stuff. So, yeah, fear, fear is fear, fear is is the thing. Fear is is, is the thing that we all is our worst, our own fear, and then the, the society b- builds all these reasons of things to fear. And all of our news channels are all these, you know, we all cater our specific feeds and our what we're listening to to a just perfect cocktail of fear that's just right yeah. for us. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and that, I think that becomes an addiction too, yeah. where where you get used to the, you look for your fix. Yeah. Because the whole thing falls apart. If somebody quietly grabs you and goes like, like you say to Zuckerberg, brilliant. Like, what do you have? Like, what do you really have? That's right. the question to meditate on. What right. do you really have? And then the person that's afraid, what are you afraid of losing? And can you show it to me? Where is it? Right. And like, like, what are we clinging yeah. to? Because freedom is going. Yeah. I, I say all that yeah. being, being, I say all that being totally, in, totally addicted to Instagram you know, and I check it all the time, you know, out of fear that, you know, I posted something that people don't like or yeah. out of fear that I, you know, I didn't get enough. So, so I'm, I'm inside the system. No, I, I am but, too. You know, I mean, I, I will say Zuckerberg did, you know, uh, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's like I'm addicted to the same things everyone else is addicted to. And, and um, we need to, uh, and, and fear is one of the, one of the biggest ones, you know, yeah. for me yeah. it's fear and then tobacco a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Are but, you um, smoking again? <laughs> on and off, you know, necessary, <laughs> but no, it's awful. It's like the worst thing ever, you know? It's, well, it's a very, it's a very, I, I've talked to many people during the quarantine who started smoking just to have something to do. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like they were just like, I've never smoked in my life. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, think that I started fishing again. I should, I should, I should focus more on fishing. But no, but all those things. It's just like, like Zuckerberg knows knows how addiction works, yeah. you know, and they studied it, and that's all they do. I mean, that's what yeah. that's what that's what that's what the news channels do. That's what the um, I do think addiction is is addiction to fear, addiction to self loathing. But that's what it is. It's a, it's something that was imprinted on you. Yeah. And when I see Trump, I see weird drunk dad. Right? Oh, I see sad and boy. We, Sad boy for sure playing the role of weird drunk dad, even though he's not drunk. Meaning the pattern of wanting someone to first scare me and then say they can save me from what they introduced is toxic parenting. So I think this is deeply Jungian, deeply psychological. It's a collective unconscious problem. And it even ties to our addiction to Instagram and Facebook. It's like Facebook Instagram works that the biggest fire gets the biggest crowd and Trump is the biggest fire as president. Totally. And yeah. it gets the most eyeballs. Yeah, America, so it, the definition you know, of America, it's just like, it's, 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 it's being run by terrified white drunk dads. Yeah. Trading coupons with slave owners on them. <laughs> we are. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, all, it's ta- all their guns, everything is the, the guns are all talismans of fear and everything they do. Every policy is a talisman of fear. They're the, they're the yeah. party of party of insecurity. They're the party of, 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 white men's fear. <laughs> well, like, that, that who, who wants to be in that party. I don't, we, I don't, we might've even talked about this on our other episode, but, uh, the, the Ted talk about the, the leanings, the artistic leanings of liberals and conservatives. And it was all like liberals really score very high on like novelty on like wanting to see 
photographs like the exhibit you saw wanting to be challenged. Yeah, there's, there's a curiosity and an openness to new experiences and different people. I'm not saying conservatives don't have that. They were just saying the data. And then they actually said some nice things about conservatives. It's, it's an interesting YouTube that I can't stop referencing because it really changed. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Um, let's see. I think this is just a bonus. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, we know. I know that the other one was really long. Um, and, and are you just going to, are you going to edit them together and trim them down? How does it work? I feel like this was so good though. This was like its own conversation. Maybe I'll release this. What do you think? I'll release this, this sure, next this week. One, yeah. This one alone. And then the other one you can save for another longer trippy bonus or something. I can't remember what all, unless I can't remember what all we got into on, on the last one, but it was like two hours long, wasn't it? I think it was a little bit over maybe. It, yeah, it which is long. cool, which is cool, but it seems maybe long. <laughs> yeah, I think it's too long to marry to this one. So maybe we'll release this one to say, hey, Serpentine cool. Prison is out. Yeah. And then maybe uh the next month we'll we'll put out the other one. Whenever, whenever, man. Um so we'll have a one two. I'll need something to listen to next month too. So Yes, I love it. Well, Dude, I, Beth, I miss you. Um I can't I wait. We're too. gonna come over um as soon as ever, you know. Like it's so funny. It keeps feeling like like where does it feel safe to get together? And like I, I'm starting to be like not yet. Not, I mean like yeah. you know I do. I, we've seen some people, but like I know it's 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 uh I can't wait to see you. Miss we you. would we would do an outdoor totally like, do fire that. pit hang. Do I it. would do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'll, well, let's text about that. We'll figure it out. And thank you for doing this, man. I I no, because, because you said the praise matters. It's fucking great. Uh, it's thanks. Great. And you did the thing where you were like, I'm not just gonna do what I know will sell. Like, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to strip it down and do it again. And, and, and you're finding more and better, deeper, truer art. So congratulations, man. It's awesome. Thanks Pete. Thank yeah, you. Dude. Would you say keep it crispy and we'll get out of here and then uh, I'll, I'll bother you for a hang later. Yeah. Pete, thank you. Keep it crispy as you always do. I will <laughs> keep Thanks. it crispy. Pete, Pete. <laughs> I don't know how many you need. Use whatever one you like. I'm going to use all of them. That was great. <laughs> I always do those. And I always mo- I say it wrong. But I, uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can say that wrong. You said it perfectly. You Thanks. said it perfectly. I said it. My brother was just here and I said, keep it crispy to him. And he didn't know what it meant. And I was like, <laughs> you've never, you've never been curious. Because your brother never listened to your show. I in that moment I knew he had never listened to it. I was like, "That's hilarious." <laughs> I get. I mean, maybe it's it's too much family. I don't know. But no, uh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, what's ahead of your brother? Um, and, and you uh, say hi to Tom for me. And I will. And Corinne, please. And we'll talk yeah. soon. Yeah, love you, man. Thanks, man. Love you too. See you, bye. bye. bye.